Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hello, DLC listeners. If you are hearing this, it is because you are subscribed to the main feed of the DLC podcast, and we are grateful. Thank you for subscribing to the show. In fact, to show our gratitude, we have something special for you right here, right now. This is a bit of bonus content. This is the paid DLC show that is usually only available to patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. This goes to our cool ranch patrons and higher, but I wanted to send this out into the main feed because I think this episode is particularly great. And I wanted to share it with more people. Uh, Our friend Danish Syed, who is a senior UI designer at respawn entertainment. He's been on the show multiple times. He's a good buddy of mine. He speaks very passionately and very persuasively about Elden Ring. And I thought it was a great discussion. It really swayed my opinion about the game. And I wanted more people to hear it. There is lots of this kind of content as we have transitioned into being a Patreon-supported show. So I hope if you like this, you'll head over to patreon.com slash dlcpod and check out all the cool perks that you can get for supporting the show. And if monetary support of the podcast isn't possible for you, we totally understand. That's fine. There are several ways that you can support the show completely for free, including giving us a review on your podcatcher of choice, or even better, by recommending us to a friend. Or hey, maybe even five friends. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of Paid DLC. Welcome! Patrons, thank you for being here for the paid DLC show. A show that is only possible because of your generous support of this program. We appreciate it. I'm Jeff Kanata. I'm here with Christian Spicer and special guest, friend of the show. You know him. He also happens to be a senior UI visual designer at Respawn. But he's our buddy, Danish Syed. Hey, Danish, how are you? I'm good. I am uh, not only a guest co-host, but also a patron. <laughs> so, well, yeah. now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert, you know what the content's going to be, so make it yeah, good. <laughs> exactly. I have nothing, no one but myself to blame if this doesn't go well. Well, this week's th- bonus show was the worst ever. <laughs> Who said that? Surprise, patrons. Danish. Danish Surprise. Said that. Every week, one of you will be randomly selected <laughs> to be on the show. Uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, no, we're excited to have you. One of the reasons... Uh, so excited to have you. Not only are you super knowledgeable about video games and, and always fun to talk to, but you are one of the people in my life that recommends the coolest things to me. So uh, this show, which Please is sort recommend of a- me some things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Dennis always has yeah, a, like just- a, a 400 things that are like, God, I didn't know about that. That's amazing. It's awesome. Um, so I'm excited to have you, uh, on, on this, which is ostensibly about sort of recommending other stuff, but I know you also wanted to talk about 
a little game that the folks are talking there are you know it's, it's a little teeny tiny game called Elden Ring. Yes. Uh which <laughs> we talked about last week and I think you had some issues with what we said. Is my correct? No, I uh, no, actually, I said it was uh, awesome. I, I love everything Tamor was saying. I, he, I just loved the way he framed it oh, and yeah. kind of like, like poetry. What, it, yeah, seriously, it was. And that was actually before I bought the game. And I had planned on buying it uh, just, again, for educational purposes. Because uh, uh, I – okay, so let's let's back up a little bit. Um, I reached out to Jeff and said I, I got into – it happened. I clicked. I got into Elden Ring. I I just felt like so um, happy that it finally clicked because I've been trying to get into Souls games for 10 years. I've played Demon's Souls back. Sorry, on you got to have two two girls with you to get into this Souls game. Sorry, <laughs> you got you can't wear sneakers to get into this Souls game. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, okay. no hats allowed at this Souls game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's it, everyone's talking about it. I, I played it for a little while. I'm like, oh, this is not fun. And then I just kind of bounced off it. And then like Dark Souls came out. And then people were kind of comparing Demon Souls to Dark Souls and talked about some changes. I'm like, okay, well, people are really into this game. Maybe <laughs> the tweaks they made are enough for me. Not the case. But like <laughs> Dark Souls 2 came out. Like seriously, for the whole 10 years, every Souls yeah. game that came out, every From Software game that came out, I really wanted to know what I was missing. Yeah. Because yeah. when I play it, they are like objectively bad. <laughs> like, like these are bad games. These are bad games. Why are every, why does everyone love these bad games? Um, so obviously I say that, but obviously it's me, not them. Like I can understand that. Like there's something I'm not getting from this, right? Everyone yeah. loves these. What am I missing? Yeah. You, so you hear people like to more talk about these games in these like soaring terms. Yeah. And yeah. you go, what's, What's wrong with me? Like, wh yes. wh why haven't I not found the love? Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and and Jeff, I know that this is what you're feeling. Like, we were on the same page for yeah. those 10 years. Like, I was exactly. right there with you. Um, Bloodborne, all of those. Like, I, Bloodborne, I liked a little bit better because some mechanics changed. But at, the, at its heart, it was the same thing. And and here's the other thing I'll say. It's like, I, I was dedicated to trying to crack this thing. Like, I really... <laughs> stuck with these games way like out of spite just hating it but like playing it you know for dark souls 3 i got really far i got to like you know the fifth or sixth boss i like i was beating these bosses and every time i would beat a boss people would talk about this like sense of accomplishment and i had none of that because i just didn't know what i was doing right and what i was doing wrong the times that i was dying felt no different from the times that i was winning because I fundamentally just didn't understand. Like I wasn't meeting the game at its level. I was brute forcing my way through them. And so none of it was fun. Um, even even a dozen hours in beating all these bosses, just not fun. Um, so finally, like, you know, Elden Ring comes out. People are raving about it once again. And again, I think like, <laughs> I mean, at this point, should I even bother <laughs> trying this one? And so I was, I was kind of considering uh, skipping it. And uh, you know, again, friends were raving about it. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe the, the open world is what might change it for me. Because one thing that my one friends have said is like, uh, it does change it because you can just peace out. You can just like run and skirt around people. You can stealth past people. Uh, there's no set things to do. You can just explore. So that sounded appealing to me. It's like, okay, so that kind of put me over the edge. And then finally the last week's episode or the week before, um, that was like, oh, that's so cool. So I've decided on buying it. Just decided I bought it. Um, 
started playing it. <laughs> Not a great first impression. Uh, the opening cinematic is like terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like really bad. And like, and I agree with you. Like, the graphics are not good. It's not the reason to play this game. It looks kind of like older generation and stuff. Um, so I was playing late at night, and I think it was kind of in that barely awake, dreamy state or whatever. And in was, the between I, lands, you might in the say. between lands, in the between lands. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and I was kind of like giving myself over to it. I went to this, uh, you know, dungeon or whatever, and I've uh, I ended up fighting those like either called jade gargoyles or whatever they're called. And at a certain point, it finally clicked. And I'm going to make a lot of uh, um, I don't know allegory or you know comparisons and like uh, metaphors to try to explain this to, to, to you because I've heard all the things people say about like how it's different. I, I've heard people say, um, well, you got to be patient. You have to learn the moves. You have to plan your attacks, like all of those kind of things that are true. But the thing is, those things also apply to other games like God of War. I'm going to be right. like using God of War as the sort of catch all example, because in my mind, I love God of War. I think it's awesome. But also God of War is really hard. And especially, especially like Valkyrie, stuff. Valkyrie yeah. fights on a difficult, like really hard. Like having beaten many bosses in Souls games, I would put them side by side. Like they are just as hard. The, pro- the difference is I had a lot of fun fighting the Valkyries. I had zero fun fighting the Souls bosses. So when I hear things like, well, you got to be patient and you got to do this and that. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I, I'm doing that in God's, God of War. Like I get it. The difference is like it's it's a complete mental paradigm shift that I had to make for it to click. And so what I'm going to describe is that process I went through. I'm not going to say like this is how you do it. This is how you get across it because it's going to be different for everybody. But I'm just going to describe sort of my experience. And also because um, no one says this is how you do it, you have to say this is how. Yeah, you I know. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I thought, okay, well, I walked into that one. <laughs> um, okay, so. Here's um, here's my epiphany. It's not an action game. It's a turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. It's a turn-based RPG that has just inched over the barrier into being uh, real-time. And okay, let me ex- kind, of, kind of explain what that means. When I'm playing God of War, I'm making decisions uh, every moment, like every 60th of a second. There's I have full control of my character. Uh, when I make an attack and I, then I'm like, oh, wait, that attack wasn't, oh, I'm going to get hit. Let me dodge, dodge, dodge. Like I, I button mash dodge. Maybe like I'm stuck in that attack animation for like a fifth of a second and then I dodge. So like in practice, um, I'm hitting dodge. If I'm button mashing, maybe I hit dodge like two times and the three times and then the mm. third one, it comes out. If I try to do that with... Um, a Souls game, if I miscalculate something, I'm like, oh, crap, no, no, no. Like, I'm hitting dodge, like, a, a 20 times before he dodges because I'm stuck into that animation. Um, another comparison that people have made a lot is fighting games. And it, and again, like being on the other side of it, I completely understand that comparison, and I, I agree with it. But again, it, it, it wasn't enough for me to make that mental shift. In a fighting game... Being a fan of fighting games and being someone who's literally made fighting games for 10 years, I was like, hell yeah, it's like a fighting game. That's you're speaking my language. Let's go. Not like a fighting game because of the <laughs> because of the time. Because of the time. Like yeah. in a fighting game, your moves last anywhere from like 
you know, a tenth of a second to like half a second. In a Souls game, it's like half a second to like five seconds. <laughs> you know, it's it's the timing is so different that in practice, yes, you are kind of playing footsies and you're trying to get yourself in a position and you're waiting for the other person's attack for you to attack. But the time is so stretched out that to me, like, it didn't feel like a fighting game. When, when people said fighting game, I'm like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? You know, I couldn't make that mental shift. So that's one thing. Um, now, back to the card game analogy. Uh, you know, in God of War, in an action game, uh, you are in complete control. You can make a variety of decisions at any given moment. Uh, some of the decisions might be more, you know, yield better results than other decisions, but pretty much you can do anything. That's absolutely not the case in, in a Souls game. Like you have a limited hand. You have like, a, if, you're, if you're talking about a tabletop card game, you have a hand, a hand of cards in your hand of what you can do at that moment. And that hand of cards is de- determined by a number of things. What weapons are you holding? What are your stats? And key is what's your stamina level? How much stamina do you have? Um, so if I, and, and your, and your next move is also predetermined in a way by your previous move. If you had just swung a heavy sword attack, uh, or, or dodged out of the way, like that's going to take up stamina, leaving you with little stamina enough to only do a subset of your normal moves. So that's a huge part of it that, that, that clicked into me is like your options are dwindling in, until you retreat and get your stamina back. Um, I'm going to make another analogy. This is, I'm going to be all over the place. This is like a very ranty thing. So feel Just free to don't stop compare it to a moleskin journal. Jeff hates that when you compare <laughs> things to moleskin journals. That makes perfect sense the... to me. <laughs> no, I, I know. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, so it's like a race. I'm going to compare it to a racing game. Um, I was never into sim racers. I, I was, uh, back in the day, I always love arcade racers. I like to go fast. I like to do all these things. I like to be in complete control. When I played sim racers, I was constantly spinning out. I was not in control. And the reason why, and a friend kind of uh, helped me understand this, it's like in racing, in simulation racers, there's only one thing you have to worry about, and that's your traction. You can, in a car, you can accelerate, you can brake, and you can turn. But after a certain speed, you can only do one of those things at a time. Because if mm-hmm. you try to brake and turn, both of those things take up traction, and now you're going to spin out of control. So very similar to that is stamina in Souls games. You have only a little bit of stamina. You cannot do three things at once. You have to decide, am I going to dodge? Am I going to block? Am I going to attack? Like, it's very structured like that. I remember, Jeff, in your kind of response to uh, the discussion before, you were saying, like, when I'm playing as Aloy, I'm just in control. I'm not even thinking about it. Like, and, and, and Tamor was saying, like, well, eventually you'll get there and it will feel like that. Uh, but that's true. And, and, I do feel like I am in control, but in a very sort of staccato way, like I am in a turn-based RPG. Like in a turn-based RPG, I'm in control, but only at given predetermined times. Like I can't do everything at every time. So uh, if you think about like, you know, um, basically you make a move, you wait, you see the results of the move, then you see what the opponent's going to do. They make a move. You see the results of that move and then you go. So it's like this back and forth thing. Now, the it's not obviously it's not literally turn based. It, it's um, so you, you are doing in things in between. You're, you're moving and you're getting into position or you're trying to time the dodge at the right time. So obviously it's not that. But in my mind, it was easier to think of it as those live action elements added to a turn based kind of paradigm than it was to try to take an action God of War game and slow it down and stretch it out and make it without it. Like that was a harder leap for me to make. 
Mm. Um, Wait, so so let me just try to sort that through in my yeah, own head. Yeah. So so I think that makes a lot of sense to me as somebody that you know loves turn based and thinks in that way. Uh, is it as simple though? I want to make sure I'm fully understanding what you're saying. Is it as simple as I do something, then you, then the bad guy does something, then I do something, then the bad guys do something? Is is that? I mean, because I I sort yeah. of understand that principle in the sense that you are you're not able to just bash attacks and 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 run in like you would in a God of War. You have to sort of uh, block and parry, then attack. So you're it's a more responsive thing and, and you're literally allowing space yes. for the bad guy to move. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that that's kind of like what it turns into. Like, so I fought this boss, like the first boss I fought was the one where this really then solidified was, I think it was like the grave watchdog. Something is like this dog statue that was like kind of hopping around and stuff. Um, I eventually beat it without getting hit, <laughs> like after it clicked in and, and obviously it takes time in repetition to learn the moves, but that's like any game. Um, but eventually after I got it and I like, I realized what I'm doing wrong. And that's kind of going back to like why I was having fun fighting a Valkyrie and not having fun fighting bosses in previous souls games, because I literally didn't know what I was doing wrong. And mm. intellectually you could tell me, but I just didn't feel it. But now when I was dying at this boss, I was still having fun. And because I was like, oh, okay, I know exactly what I did wrong. Let me go back and do it again. I think that's the key to it. And so by the end of it, when I was, when I did finally like memorize all the patterns and moves, it really was you move, then I move, then you move, then I move because I've kind of grokked it. Um, I think that while you're learning it, it's obviously messy and fluid and like, you don't know what things are going to do. And you're trying to see, you're going to test things out. Like, okay, between his attack, what, the first part of his attack and the second of a part of the attack, do I have enough time to, to kind of slip in a jab or whatever? And then you don't and you fail. And like, so you, so it's messy and you figure that stuff out. But eventually when you do, what it, where it ends is that point where it's like taking turns because you know the turns you're supposed to take. You know the mm-hmm. tactics that you're supposed to use. Right. The, the only caveat to that, and, and you mentioned it, Danish, but I just wanted to stress again, is that I think because of the 3D nature of the combat and that it is real time, you do need to be aware, like movement doesn't drain stamina, rolling and evading does, but general like, so part of that is learning the enemy's moveset as well to be like, okay, I'm going to flag around this way for this because this is going to offset that. So it's not, you're not just waiting for the move to happen. Like I'm always doing something. Um, but that's one of of your, that's, yeah, you could almost think of it like, yes, that's one of your moves is to get into a new position, you know, and it, it and you so, might be like, doing that while the enemy is yes, in their wind up moving. or something exactly. like that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Let so me, there's, there's crossover. Let me push back just slightly on this yeah, because absolutely. I'm, you know, I, I'm just, roll. Now's when you roll, roll away from the boss, <laughs> roll, roll, roll. Your turn, then my turn, Christian, your turn, then oh, my turn. Um, the, uh, the, I'm hearing this notion uh, of of relating the fun, and I and I'm I'm super with you, as you know. I'm I'm super with you in in having that experience over the last decade, and I sort of you know on an abstract level hear what you're saying and, and understand it. Like I understand that on a uh, you know on an intellectual level, 
Absolutely. But on like a visceral fun level. Yeah. There is something to me, and this is completely personal taste, and I'm totally aware of that. But there is something to me in a game like Horizon Forbidden West or God of War or whatever, what have you, even when they're ga- when you're in a difficult boss fight. Any other Sony open world third person. <laughs> yeah, literally <combat> any <laughs> other, you know, no, no. Yeah, what, what, even, even Halo. Uh, w- w- p- take your pick of, you know, big action, fun experiences. They're sort of more mainstream than, than a Souls game. Although, I guess Soul, Elder, Elden yeah, Ring is like now. the most mainstream game outright. <laughs> um, in those experiences, I am able to sort of learn the boss in real time and adjust on the fly. Yes. And that is fun. That yes. to me is fun. It's the like hard stop, you fail, got to start over from one cobble yourself back together, you know, beat yourself, beat your head against the wall, pick up your souls, whatever, all of the Michigas of yes. having that to me is, is, is one of those factors that reduces the fun. But when I'm in a big fight, I mean, I literally did it today playing horizon. I did a big fight that was so thrilling and I didn't know how I was going to get through it yeah. and thought I might die, but changed my tactics on the fly and like pulled myself from the brink of ruin. Like, that to me is what's a bummer that doesn't seem possible in those games because it really is like, well, you just don't know this fight yet, so it's impossible. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, it's, I, there's, there's absolutely no um, kind of counter to that. That's 100% true. The one thing I'll say that's because I, I can't tell you how much I agree with you. Like uh, in, in uh, Bloodborne or Dark Souls, like this was my number one complaint about the difficulty in those games is like the fact they didn't have checkpoints near the bosses. Like, uh-huh. and the fact that it's so punitive and that a couple mistakes and you're dead, I love learning the patterns. I want to learn the patterns, but if you're, but if it takes me two minutes to get to the boss and then I'm learning the patterns for 15 seconds. And then now I'm spending another two minutes to get to the boss, to learn the pattern for another 15 seconds. If I right. play, a game, right. if I play God of war Valkyrie and I play a dark souls boss for half an hour each, I'm learning the Valkyrie for half an hour. I'm learning the Dark Souls boss for like 10 minutes. Right. So true. Yes. That's 100% true. I think Elden Ring is way better because at least it has save points close to the boss. Like I, and the other thing is like, not only does it just annoying because of all this sort of like, uh, just, you know, what do you call it? Like shoe leather of me getting to the boss (laughs) that didn't matter. Um, It also hurts you memorizing those patterns. Because now those patterns are like so separated by time. Yeah. It takes, not only do you have less time to learn them, but now it is harder to learn them because they're being separated by time. Right. So uh, in Elden Ring, that has greatly improved because I'm right back into it after maybe 15 seconds of just going down a couple rooms and I'm back into it. Uh, so it's it's way, way better. I think that's like, I was going to get to some of the differences in Elden Ring that that help it. I think why it clicked, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think uh, it just, I don't know if I had something that gave me that epiphany or just random. I don't know. But um, but there are a few things in systematic, like uh, systemically that that do help. And that's one of them. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, it, There is definitely uh, a lot of ambushing, which sucks. Like, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a staple of the Souls series of like enemies that jump out from you. 
I don't know if you ever got if you ever played this uh kind of indie game from like I don't know ten years ago called uh, I Want to Be the Guy. It's like a two no. D side scroll. It's like a parody game kind of. But the joke of that game is that you'll be walking. It's like a Mario with you know kind of crude graphics, and you'll be walking from left to right under an apple tree, and then an apple will fall at the speed of light and just kill you. And like <laughs> it's a joke. It's like oh, well, this is insane. And then you go to the next room, and then. It's just nonstop hazards that come out of nowhere. And that's kind of like the parody of the game. And then it's to beat the game is literally just trial and error until you memorize every ridiculous thing. So it's that game is hilarious because that's the point. I think it's kind of dumb to do that in a a game like this. Like it's (laughs) it's not fun. I don't like these booby traps. I think it's stupid. But um, so there's there's definitely, you know, I've clicked over into being a fan and I, I am curious uh, to go back to previous Souls games and see if I like them. Mm. And I, I think that I will like some of them, but I think there are these systems that I just don't think are good, like the the backtracking, like that sort of stuff. I I still think that's not a good design, and and that might be enough to still prevent me from liking the previous games. But at least the way Elden Ring kind of puts it all together, in addition to the things that I've said before about it being open world and having you. Uh, this boss is not, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go try something else. Like that helps a lot too. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think all of those little things just help it a little bit to, to push it over the edge, to enjoy it. I'm actually very much, uh, looking forward to have been looking forward to sort of focusing on Elden ring. I played it a little bit so that we would talk about it the week it came out. But I've, I've consciously set it aside and said to myself, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to leave Horizon Forbidden West prematurely. Like, I love that game. I love it. I love it. Every aspect of it. I just adore that universe. I'm having so much fun. And I I know that if I get onto it the next thing, I won't come back to it. Yes. And so I've told myself I'm going to finish Horizon Forbidden West before I move on to Elden Ring. And I know there's going to be a thousand things between whatever <laughs> now and then the rate at which these incredible games are coming out because I did play, you know, Gran Turismo seven this week and all these other things, but I, I do want to approach Elden ring with a level of commitment, so to speak of, of just deciding like, this is, this is the game I'm going to play for a little while. And I want to, just decide that I'm going to try to accept it on its own terms and see if I enjoy it. Because I mean, the, the one of the things I wanted to ask you about Danish also is, is one of the big things that Christian was talking about last week, which is this notion of exploration in that game and discovery, yeah. because I have to admit in playing dark souls uh, as much as I have, which is not tons, but a fair amount. I was never intrigued by the exploration in in those games uh, because, well, first of all, the milieu was not particularly interesting to me. It was just all dark, drab, you know, emo, sad. I will say Elden Ring is a a world I want to live in more. Like, it's not depressing. It's not, the enemy designs are grotesque, but there are some, again, graphical limitations or engine aside, beautiful vistas and and ruins that are coming out in really interesting architectural ways and then lighting areas where it's like oh now i'm in a purple fog for like it's like anyway it's a much more visually uh my style of game where bloodborne was probably my favorite from game before 
but I felt dirty after spending yeah. hours in it. All those games, you feel dirty. And and I, I agree. I, I sense that as well. So I, I feel like, oh, Elden Ring will kind of is more accessible to me just on a aesthetic, just from a, I like, I want to be there. I want to look around in every corner instead of I'm looking around this dank, dark, gross <laughs> place where what am I going to find? I'm going to find a pile of corpses. You know, like that's, that's what you find in those games. Anyway, so the other part of the exploration that didn't really ever click with me in from software games is that nine times out of 10, you find a thing that you just have no clue what it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the reward is, it just doesn't feel satisfying. So I don't, can you yeah. speak to that aspect of it? Yeah, I'm kind of there with you with that too. I mean, I think that uh, this world, like Christian was saying, is way more interesting. So when you happen upon something just like the uh, environmental storytelling and backstory of what happened that place is like immediately kind of like intriguing. Mm -hmm. So on a narrative level, I think that works better. But yes, I, you know, I fought that, you know, dog and I got some thing and i don't know what it is <laughs> eventually i i, I later learned it's like a summoning thing that i don't that's a, there's there's problems with the game like it's kind of dumb that I, you can't level up or get a horse until an arbitrary amount of time that apparently no one really even knows what triggers it but like <laughs> I, I maybe they do by now but like back when i was like looking online or talking to friends it's, yeah you know some people say if you visit enough uh grace points which are like the fire you know campfires that's what triggers it or I don't know, but the fact that it's like obfuscated is kind of kind of weird. Um, yeah, uh, everything so in the th game is obfuscated. <laughs> every, everything is. I I appreciate it a little bit more because of the open world, because of the the world building than than previous. Uh, and look, I I one thing that people again have always described Souls games as is like not holding your hand and having the mystery of it and stuff. And in theory, I love that. I mean. Now that you, now you know, like Outer Wilds is like one of the best games ever made, in my opinion. And that that game is all about discovery and finding things. Yeah. Out. Um. But in that game, it's all narrative. You're right. not getting any powers. So I think that's one area where Elden Ring kind of inches toward that. Is that for me that the, the joy of the discovery is more about the narrative and the environmental storytelling. Mm. I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Um. Well, Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a game where i mean it, it not only does it hide things but it also i think it's fascinating in that it builds a online community around like shared experiences and figuring out this or that and the other but it also even makes that difficult where it's like oh my gosh i was in the forest in the i mean it's like a it's like a fire frog i think i don't know but it was like how big was your fire frog? I don't know. It was like the size of a horse. Okay, that's totally different. And you're like, you're trying to describe. Like, be careful. Be careful when you go into the woods. Which woods? I, I was on the northeast part of the map. And it's like, it even makes that hard of like, what is yeah, it called? Yeah. Uh, flamed? I don't know. I died. I don't yeah. know what it was called. <laughs> I, yeah, I, think, I mean, the fact that it makes co-op hard. It, may, it makes the oh, That's I mean, so annoying. Yeah. It's yeah. really annoying. It's it really annoying. It gives you the finger. It literally gives you yeah. the finger when you try yeah. to play co-op. <laughs> I see the appeal of that stuff. Like, I remember back... Uh, if you guys remember when PT came out for a PS4, like how to beat that game. There's like all this mystery around it. And then people figured out, and it was like this, you know, online collaboration of like sharing things. So I get the appeal of that. I get the kind of communal mystery solving or like, I mean, even going all the way back to like Minecraft on PC where like, where they didn't tell you how to craft things and people would like figure it out. Yeah, I do see the appeal of that, but it's, that's not kind of my thing. I don't have honestly the time to, to go through message boards and stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, so that stuff doesn't appeal to me as much, but I can kind of get where people are coming from. Um, the last thing I'll say is like, you know, Jeff, you're, you're kind of like saying, okay, I'm committed to giving this game a shot. Like, I mean, yes, good luck doing that. But like, that didn't help me. That, that did not help yeah. me for the last 10 years. Right. Like, I was committed to playing Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne and like, and I was like out of spite playing through it. And um, I, yeah, I just, it's going to click in some way. And I, I've tried to explain like how my mind worked that made it click is thinking about it in different terms. Um, I'll give you one, one, one more example. Um, so in, uh, in, in, in video games, there's this thing called affordances where it's like what something looks like gives you a clue to how it's used. So it's, and it's, it's really big in like UX and stuff where it's like, if you make something look a certain way, interactable or whatever. Um, the problem with that is sometimes games exist that tell you one thing, but are something else. An example of that is Spelunky, actually, where Spelunky looks like a Mario game, but it's absolutely not a Mario game. It's not a platform at all. And when when people, I had, again, had trouble getting to Spelunky, and eventually I did. And people, uh, the, what kind of got me around it was people saying, it's not a platform, it's a puzzle game. When you approach something in Spelunky, you are basically looking at every graphics tile in front of you of like, okay, where is there a bat that can swoop down? Where is there a mm. spring trap that comes up? Okay, let me navigate my way there. Okay, there's a guy there that's kind of just wandering back and forth. If I go down this way, he's going to see me and then rush me. And like, where's my path out of that? So you have to plan it, like do it really like step-by-step methodically. And eventually those those decisions and like um, kind of mental processes become second nature. And when you see people play Spelunky, it almost looks like they're playing Mario because everything's happening so fast. But you can't approach it that way. Hmm. And same thing with a Souls game and, and God of War. Like it looks like that, but right. it's not what that is. Um, you know, a very kind of like obvious example is in pretty much any third person action game ever. If you block, you have a bubble of block around you where you're blocking attacks from any direction. That is absolutely not the case with a Souls game with Elden Ring, where you can only block where your shield is in front of you. And so there was this one room where this is again earlier on when I just started playing it, where it kind of the gear started to shift a little bit in my head, where there was like an enemy in front of me on the first floor, and there was an enemy up to my left on the second floor shooting arrows down. And I was trying to fight the guy in front of me and I was blocking his attacks, but this gosh darn enemy on the second floor was sniping me with arrows to my left side. And it was so annoying. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so why can't, you know? And I thought, okay. Let me think about this. I had to change my course attack. So basically I, I took a right and the enemy that was in the middle of the room, I approached him from the right so that the guy shooting arrows at me was behind the enemy. And so his arrows and the enemy on the floor's attacks were both hitting my shield. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's starting to make a little bit more sense. Like tactically, how do I think about this? And, and then that I think was the key to like unlocking like boss encounters. Like, okay, tactically, What's my safe zone? Another thing I kind of uh, got me thinking is like, this isn't a uh, a boss game where you're blocking their attacks. You think of boss attacks as every move is an AOE, an area of effect attack. <laughs> you know, yeah. every single one. And some of them, it's like a half circle where it sweeps to the left and the left side is, you know, damaging the right side's empty or whatever. Sometimes it's like a ground pound where it's a, a circle around you. Sometimes it's like a straight line, you know, blast or whatever. And so every attack is an area, a giant area of attack. And so you constantly have to figure out where am I safe? And so just like that guy sniping me from the second floor, where am I safe? And so that's another thing that kind of helped me get it. So 
anyway, it, hopefully actually, that. I mean, this is amazing. It's super useful. Hopefully, it's useful to some of our patrons who are listening as well because it's super useful to me. And it, it actually reminds me of the journey I went on with the Hitman games. Yeah. Because I think, in a similar sense, those games look like something they're not, right? They look yeah. like Splinter Cell or Metal Gear Solid or something. And they're definitely not those games, right? They're not games where you go in and you eliminate 400 people, you know. Uh, and and it took, for me, it took literally a level where you get to be a detective yeah, for yeah, me yeah. to get it. Because it's like, oh, the paradox, I understand I understand this cons uh, this construct, right? This I'm now looking at the game not as the game I expect it to be, but as 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 this movie that I know well, and it, it kind of opened up my understanding of how Hitman is operates in general, and so I'm hopeful that Elden Ring is basically the you know mansion yeah. uh, the knives out level of Hitman. <laughs> of souls games <laughs> yeah. yeah i hope so um yeah. Yeah. i mean maybe it'll happen in another 10 years you know yeah, it maybe. takes who knows what happened but yeah it takes yeah. time and sometimes it happens sometimes it clicks all right christian let's talk a little bit about our uh our parting gifts uh, we mentioned them at the end of the actual episode but i know that you wanted to talk a little bit about the batman D- danish have you seen the batman yet no i did not have time this weekend so uh okay well, spoilers. This is- no spoilers this has nothing, actually, nothing to do with the movie because I did not want to step on the film cast discussion that I just uh, saw no some stepping. tweets There's about no the folks on it. No but, stepping. Oh, well, also, I want to listen to it, so I don't want to spoil it for me because I know <laughs> the walk I'll be taking my dog on when I listen to all of you. It's a spirited uh, discussion. I'll put it that way. I saw some tweets uh, pre-gaming it. I think, <laughs> but I liked it. I, I, I so as my parting gift is to recommend it. I really enjoyed it. Um, my thoughts coming out of it though, and Jeff, what I'm excited to talk to you about and Danish, I'm very curious your opinion as well. I personally think that maybe some of my favorite characters, comic book characters are DC characters, but the breadth of characters that mean something to people, I think DC has done a horrible job over the years establishing marquee characters and like marvel you know iron man you could argue he maybe wasn't as big before the movies but they've built these characters through the mcu and then reinforced them in comics and tv shows and other media to make wanda the scarlet witch a mainstream my kids want to wear that halloween costume wear that shirt And I don't know why, and this is just my opinion, and I'm curious if you agree or disagree, like DC, I feel like hasn't done that in the same way. Like I don't see kids out there standing cyborg, even though he's been on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go or Stargirl, even though she has her own show. So there are shows for these characters, but I feel like in these big media events, it's always Bat Family. That's all that works for them is Bat Family. And then they try Superman. So my question, Jeff, I'll start with you before pitching to Danish, is like, am I wrong there? Or is that a, a, a kind of an idea that well, you Well, you're not wrong, hold? but I think that you're the, you're contextualizing it in, in the sense that, I mean, I think Marvel got super lucky and it, it has been incremental, right? They didn't start mm. with Scarlet Witch. 
You know, they didn't start. Yeah, they started with, with, with Iron Man. They started with Iron Man, and if that hadn't worked, nothing would have happened. Right? <laughs> it happened. It happened that it worked. It was. It was lightning in a bottle. They got Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau, and they made a really good movie that caught on, and it sparked the whole sp- thing. Spider Man and, and X Men, which weren't them before, but also did well you know, for them as licensing deals and partnerships. Like just from that get go, you had Spider-Man, X-Men, and then Iron Man is three very different ideas. I think of what comic books can be that DC hasn't captured. Maybe. I don't know. I think, think, yeah, go ahead, Dennis. No, no, sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. No, please. Uh, My, my take on this was that um, Batman and like the popular DC characters, Batman, Superman, basically, uh, you you know what their psychology is. You know that Batman is you know traumatized. You know that Superman has this uh, outsider you know alien from another planet. Like you have a psych- like a psychological profile of them. Um, and that is where Marvel has outshined DC in every way. Is that you know what the characters not? It's they're not defined by their powers. They're defined by their personalities. And I think DC more characters are defined by their powers than their personalities. Mm, interesting. That's my take. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Guess what's, like, what's, what's Hawkman's, what's Hawkman's yeah. personality? Yeah. Or flashes or, yeah. you know, yeah. some of these other characters. I think, that's, I think that's pretty good. Although I would say, you know, before the movie, what was Ant-Man's personality? Nobody knew, right? Sure, but oh, they gave well, him they one. Did. They he gave was him a wife. He was a, he was a wife abuser. He was a, that, like, he was a, awful I mean, was, human being like yeah, yeah. i think that I think, was the elder that was hank pym yeah right but uh, that was the character yeah. he yes. was <laughs> no you're like, right i mean you're, I, asked, you're right but i don't think that that was a popular understanding that was not like you're, me christian you're asking like why is that the case and that's because marvel has gone out of their way to give them personality mm-hmm. and dc hasn't like they, they if dc makes a green lantern movie like it's focused on the powers and like yeah. What was what was Green Lantern's personality in that movie? Like he was just Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I hope they crack it because I love so many of those characters. And I think as a fan, like I, again, I liked the Batman. I highly recommend it. But when I was looking back at my favorite DC movies of all time, when eight out of ten of them are various first Batman movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shazam, I, it, great, great movie. Shazam's a great movie. Yes, because. It's a kid who it's like the personality comes through. It's like, yeah, it's big. You totally. know what I mean? So like, I think that's the key. Yeah. Same with the Harley Quinn movies, right? Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is your Wanda Maximoff, right? Harley Quinn is a character that really wasn't huge until it became, became huge. Right. I think that's, well, she was, cr- she was huge. I think when she was created, right. Paul Denny created her yeah, for animated series and yeah. immediately became a fan favorite who then existed in the real world. But I think you're right though. I think that, that approach still applies where it was her personality. You immediately knew who she was, what she was and how she related to these other characters. But I would argue again though, Jeff, that she's still bat family. That's true. She is bat family. I think someone else made this point uh, about how um, DC is more like gods and then Marvel is more like, you know, humans. And that's, that's definitely, no, I think that's absolutely accurate. It's, it's their unattainable, uh, pantheon instead of this this kid on the street that goes to school and you know like lives with us could be us live among us i mean straight up that's why i am a marvel zombie from way back that's why i gravitated to marvel comics as a kid i i read plenty of dc comics but i always considered myself a marvel 
fan for that reason. I related I related to the X-Men. I went to school. I felt like a misfit. Yeah. I related to the X-Men. I related to Peter Parker. You know, I like I re- I related to this you know to freaking Bruce Banner. I you know, I felt like I had a monster inside me because I'm 13 and I don't know what my <laughs> body is doing. You know, like all of these things that are very relatable human things stanley you know he was mining real stuff and uh, do i relate to the omnipotent man who fell to earth from another planet and literally oh, has also to per- yes has to yeah. pretend to be a, a nerd so no one knows that he's perfect in every way it's like no i don't relate to that you know uh anyway so yeah very different just kind of fundamental mythos but DC keeps making great Batman movies. So I guess there's that. And the score. Ooh, yeah. the score is exquisite. So good. I can't wait uh, to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I liked it. Um, so my parting gift was a, a new sh- series uh, that I think both of you will love if you haven't watched it already. It's called Our Flag Means Death. I watched the first episode. Oh, dude. I, I mean, I love, uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, Reese Darby? Is Darby. Reese yeah. Darby, yeah. So th- that guy could read a phone book and it would be funny. Oh, yeah. uh, he's hilarious. And he's hilarious in this. Uh, he plays a foppish uh, pirate captain who uh, <laughs> is the, the least pirate pirate captain of all time. What is this on? Just so we let people know. I HBO. saw it, but I can't remember what it's on. HBO on. Max. Yeah. It's uh, it's great. I think mean, clearly spent some money on it, too. It's not, you know, like what we do in the sh- It's very much what we do in the shadows. Uh, but oh, what we great. do in the shadows looks like, you know. A TV show. It looks like it was. It, it's about um, vampires, but it basically takes place in an apartment. You know, it's like yeah, it's not, yeah. <laughs> this is like ships, and you know, it's got it's it's spent some money on it. It's very very funny. Uh, so highly recommend. Our flag means death. I was laughing my butt off. It just that guy is so funny, and that just that style of humor, which is sort of understated and uh, yeah. dry, very funny. I'm right there with you. I I. I have to say, I, I'm, I mean, I love it. It's great. I think the first episode was just very slightly kind of less jokes per minute, maybe than like what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I think it's, it, it just takes a little bit of like, there's a little more of a ramp up time, but, um, but I'm still like completely. Well, also it, it feels like it should be a half hour show and it's an hour show, you know? Is it? I th- isn't it? Am I wrong? <laughs> it felt like an hour show. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think it was, I think it was, yeah, that's part of what I'm saying. I, I think it was half hour, but it was it half hour anyway. Well, I don't know. I really, I really, I watched all three of the episodes that are available now, and I was, I was laughing a lot. Um, Oh, it's with TT also. Yeah, um, yeah. He, 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 he's like teased in the first few episodes as being the the big bad Blackbeard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Um, But I wanted to mention one other thing because Danish is here. Uh, I know we're running long. I will get out fast, but I because Danish knows my uh, my love of ASMR. <laughs> yeah. I uh I found what is my new crack. Oh man. <laughs> I found a YouTube channel called ASMR Chess. And it is all of, it is all about teaching you to be a better chess player in ASMR. So it's like Oh my god. This is a study of the <laughs> game from 1974 where you learn how the queen's gambit is the reason. And I'm like, yes, this is 
Because my son has uh, got had an interest in chess, and I'm like getting back into chess because of my son, and like back to wanting to learn more about chess and get better at chess and improve my skills. And these are really focused, useful. Uh, the guy who does it clearly a loves chess and b very very knowledgeable about it. He like breaks down these games and tells you you know where mistakes were made and what the play- players should have done and then like takeaways from each of them and what you, how you can apply it to your own play but he does it in a way that is i could listen to for hours and hours it's soothing i want to i watch it right before i go to sleep it's oh. delightful so you do do things in bed as you were clearly holding up a phone <laughs> saying you do it yeah right i don't play so, video okay. games but yeah i do uh, yeah lie I, I just, well, now that i have asmr chess i do uh, <laughs> i just put it on as you were talking and listening to it and it's it's hilarious I, I ha- I so we've me and Jeff have talked about ASMR in the past, uh, and I never really got it, but I, I kind of appreciate it. Um, I will say that Jeff, you've recommended this guy before. The um, who's the philosopher guy? The spiritual something? Oh yeah, spiritual unfoldment. By, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So th- I I love that guy. Yeah, that he's guy. Great. I think one of the YouTube videos even titled it like "Accidental ASMR." Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and I think. That's the thing for me is like, I like mm. the accidental MSO, ASMR. Uh, listening to this chess guy, like he's really laying it on thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, you're right. I, the, yeah. the, I, it, both of them work for me. The people that are like intentionally yeah. doing it and doing the triggers and stuff like it all yeah, works yeah. for me. But there is a special designation for folks that just have that voice that yeah, just like, yeah. They can't not be ASMR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. I, like, I prefer that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called what made NPR NPR over the decades, right? <laughs> it's the same. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, delicious dish. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this has been super fun. Again, thank you, patrons, for making this possible. I'm going to try to twist Danish's arm and get him to come back. Uh, Danish, over you're over. welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. That was brilliant. Uh, I'm going to try to twist his arm and get him to come back uh, frequently for these because, uh, like I said, oh, yeah, he always awesome, awesome recommendations. Um, but thank you. Danish, tell uh, folks where they can uh, follow you on, on the socials. Yeah, I guess the only thing I really am on is uh, Twitter at, at underscore Danish Syed. All right. Very cool. Thanks again, folks, uh, for supporting the show. We appreciate you. Have a great week.